This is day 54 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing 1 Samuel chapters 30 and 31, and then 2 Samuel chapters 1 through 3. Lord Heavenly Father, please convict our hearts to this morning to do what is right in your eyes, to set aside anything that is distracting us, to set aside anything that is ungodly, to set aside anything that blinds us from being useful in your will, Lord. For we know that light and darkness cannot coexist, and yet we try so hard to do it, Lord. So please show us our errors, and please correct us and forgive us for our failures. As we enter into your word this morning, please give us the Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us through all things. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag, and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both great and small, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept, until there was no strength left in them. Now David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Please bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he said to him, Pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and you will surely rescue all. So David went, he and the six hundred men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those left behind remained. But David pursued he and four hundred men, for two hundred were too exhausted to cross the brook Besor, and they remained behind. Now they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread, and he ate and they provided him water to drink. They gave him a piece of fig cake and two clusters of raisins, and he ate. Then his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite and my master left me behind when I fell sick three days ago. We made a raid on the Negev of the Cherethites, and on that which belonged to Judah, and on the Negev of Caleb, 
and we burned Ziklag with fire. Then David said to him, Will you bring me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring you down to this band. When he had brought him down, behold, they were spread all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. David slaughtered them from the twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped, except four hundred young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and rescued his two wives. But nothing of theirs was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken for themselves. David brought it all back. So David had captured all the sheep and the cattle which the people drove ahead of the other livestock, and they said, This is David's spoil. When David came to the two hundred men who were too exhausted to follow David, who had also been left at the brook Besor, and they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him, then David approached the people and greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men among those who went with David said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Then David said, You must not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us, who has kept us and delivered us into our hand the band that came against us. And who will listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down to the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They all share alike. So it has been from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Behold, a gift for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord, to those who were in Bethel, and to those who were in Ramoth of the Negev, and to those who were in Jatir, and to those who were in Eror, and to those who were in Sifmoth, and to those who were in Eshtemoah, and to those who were in Rakal, and to those who were in the cities of the Jeremielites, and to those who were in the cities of the Kenites, and to those who were in Hormah, and to those who were in Bor-Ashan, and to those who were in Achta, and to those who were in Hebron, and to the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to go. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines, and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines killed Jonathan, and Abinadab, and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. 
the battle went heavily against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword, and pierce me through with it. Otherwise these uncircumcised will come and pierce me through, and make sport of me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. So Saul took his sword and fell on it. When his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died with his three sons, his armor-bearer and all his men on that day together. When the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley with those who were beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned the cities and fled. Then the Philistines came and lived in them. It came about on the next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, that they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They cut off his head and stripped off his weapons and sent them throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. They put his weapons in the temple of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. Now when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men rose and walked all night, and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and they came to Jabesh and burned them there. They took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree at Jabesh, and fasted seven days. Now it came about after the death of Saul, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, that David remained two days in Ziklag. On the third day, behold, a man came up of the camp from Saul, with his clothes torn and dust on his head. And it came about when he came to David, that he fell to the ground and prostrated himself. Then David said to him, From where do you come? And he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. David said to him, How did things go? Please tell me. And he said, The people have fled from the battle, and also many of the people have fallen and are dead, and Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. So David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? The young man who told him said, by chance I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and behold, Saul was leaning on his spear, and behold, the chariots and the horsemen pursued him closely. When he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me, and I said, Here I am. He said to me, Who are you? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. Then he said to me, Please stand beside me and kill me, for agony has seized me because my life still lingers in me. So I stood beside him and killed him.
because I knew that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown which was on his head, and the bracelet which was on his arm, and I have brought them here to my Lord. Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and so also did all the men who were with him. They mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and his son Jonathan, and for the people of the Lord and the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. David said to the young man who told him, Where are you from? And he answered, I am the son of, of an alien, an Amalekite. Then David said to him, How is it you are not afraid to stretch out your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And David called one of the young men and said, Go, cut him down. So he struck him, and he died. David said to him, Your blood is on your head, for your mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. Then David chanted with this lament over Saul and Jonathan his son, and he told them to teach the sons of Judah the song of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. Your beauty, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How have the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice, the daughters of the uncircumcised will exult. O mountains of Gilboa, let not dew or rain be on you, nor fields of offerings, for there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and pleasant in their life, and in their death, they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How have the mighty fallen in the midst of this battle? Jonathan is slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. How have the mighty fallen, and the weapons of war perished? Then it came about afterwards that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to one of the cities in Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. So David said, where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, Ahinoam the Jezreelite, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. And David brought up his men who were with him, each with his household, and they lived in the cities of Hebron. Then the men of Judah came, and there anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, 
It was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul. David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed of the Lord, because you have shown this kindness to Saul your Lord and have buried him. Now may the Lord show loving kindness and truth to you, and I also will show this goodness to you, because you have done this thing. Now therefore, let your hands be strong and be valiant, for Saul your Lord is dead, and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, had taken Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. He made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, and over Benjamin, even over all Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was forty years old when he became king over Israel, and he was king for two years. The house of Judah, however, followed David. The time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Now Abner, the son of Ner, went out from Mahanaim to Gibeon with the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul. And Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and the servants of David went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon, and they sat down, one on one side of the pool, and the other on the other side of the pool. Then Abner said to Joab, Now let the young men arise and hold a contest before us. And Joab said, Let them arise. So they arose and went over by count, twelve for Benjamin and Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and twelve of the servants of David. Each one of them seized his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in his opponent's side. So they fell down together. Therefore that place was called Helkath Hazurim, which is in Gibeon. That day the battle was very severe, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. Now the sons of Zeruiah were there, Joab and Abishai and Asahel. And Asahel was as swift-footed as one of the gazelles which is in the field. Asahel pursued Abner and did not turn to the right or to the left from pursuing Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, Is that you, Asahel? And he said, It is I. So Abner said to him, Turn to your right or to your left, and take hold of one of the young men for yourself, and take for yourself his spoil. But Asahel was not willing to turn aside from following him. Abner repeated again to Asahel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I lift up my face to your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore Abner struck him in the belly with the butt end of the spear, so that the spear came out of his back. 
and he fell there and died on the spot. And it came about that all who came to the place where Asahel had fallen and died stood still. But Joab and Abishai pursued Abner, and when the sun was going down, they came to the hill of Amma, which is in front of Gia, by the way of the wilderness of Gibeon. The sons of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner and became one band, and they stood on top of a certain hill. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the end? How long will you refrain from telling the people to turn back from following their brothers? Joab said, As God lives, if you had not spoken, surely then the people would have gone away in the morning, each one following his brother. So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the people halted and pursued Israel no longer, nor did they continue to fight any more. Abner and his men then went through the Arabah all that night. So they crossed the Jordan, walked all morning, and came to Mahanaim. Then Joab returned from following Abner. When he had gathered all the people together, nineteen of David's servants besides Asahel were missing. But the servants of David had struck down many of Benjamin and Abner's men, so that three hundred and sixty men died. So they took up Asahel and buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. Then Joab and his men went all night until the day dawned at Hebron. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, and David grew steadily stronger, but the house of Saul grew weaker continually. Sons were born to David at Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon by Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and his second Chiliab by Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, and the third Absalom, the son of Maacah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur, and the fourth Adonijah, the son of Haggith, and the fifth Shephatiah, the son of Abital, and the sixth, Ithrium, by David's wife Eglah. These were born to David at Hebron. It came about while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David that Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ayah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone in to my father's concubine? Then Abner was very angry over the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show kindness to the house of Saul your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hands of David. And yet today you charge me with the guilt concerning the woman. May God do so to Abner, and more also, if as the Lord had sworn to David, 
I do not accomplish this for him. To transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and to establish the throne of David over Israel and over Judah, from Dan even to Beersheba. And he could no longer answer Abner a word, because he was afraid of him. Then Abner sent messengers to David in his place, saying, Whose is the land? Make your covenant with me, and behold, my hand shall be with you to bring all Israel over to you. He said, Good, I will make a covenant with you, but I demand one thing of you, namely, you shall not see my face unless you first bring me call, Saul's daughter, when you come to see me. So David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife Michal, to whom I was betrothed for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, from Paltiel, the son of Laish. But her husband went with her, weeping as he went, and followed her as far as Baharim. Then Abner said to him, Go, return. So he returned. Now Abner had consultation with the elders of Israel, saying, In times past you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then, do it. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. Abner also spoke in the hearing of Benjamin, and in addition, Abner went to speak in the hearing of David in Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel and to the whole house of Benjamin. Then Abner and twenty men with him came to David at Hebron, and David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. Abner said to David, Let me arise and go and gather all Israel to my lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you, and that you may be king over all that your soul desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid, and brought much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the army that was with him arrived, they told Joab, saying, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, and he has sent him away, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why then have you sent him away, and he is already gone? You know, Abner, the son of Ner, that he came to deceive you and to learn of your going out and coming in and to find out all that you're doing. When Joab came out from David, he sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the well of Sirah. But David did not know it. So when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the middle of the gate to speak with him privately, and there he struck him in the belly, 
so that he died on account of the blood of Asahel his brother. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are innocent before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. May it fall on the head of Joab and on all his father's house. And may there not fail from the house of Joab one who has a discharge, or who is a leper, or who takes hold of a distaff, or who falls by the sword, or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner because he had put their brother Asahel to death in the battle at Gibeon. Then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes and gird on sackcloth and lament before Abner. And King David walked behind the bier. Thus they buried Abner in Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. The king chanted a lament for Abner and said, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, nor your feet put in fetters. As one falls before the wicked, you have fallen. And all the people wept again over him. Then all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while it was still day. But David vowed, saying, May God do so to me, and more also, if I taste bread or anything else before the sun goes down. Now all the people took note of it, and it pleased them, just as everything the king did pleased all the people. So all the people and all Israel understood that day, that it had not been the will of the king to put Abner to death. Then the king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? I am weak today, though anointed king, and these men, the sons of Zeruiah, are too difficult for me. May the Lord repay the evildoer according to his evil. Congratulations, we completed another book of the Bible today. Moving right along. So in chapter 30, David was dismissed from the Philistines that they were he was not going to go to battle with them. And if he did go to battle with them, we were not sure exactly which side he would have taken. But based on what we've seen throughout the reading today, it's pretty clear where his allegiance lies, and it's lies with it lies with the Lord and with the people of Israel. So most likely he would have stabbed the Philistines in the back. But God spared him from that. And instead, when they came back home, their home had been destroyed, and all their family and their all their possessions had been taken by the Amalekites. And so he did the right thing. You have seen a decline, and you see this throughout David's life. You see his ups, and you see his downs, right? You see where he's on a spiritual high, and he's on a spiritual low. And he had been on a spiritual low, living in the land of the Philistines, and trying to enter the military of the Philistines. But then you see this, that he was distressed, and all the people with him were greatly distressed by what had happened to their families. 
and they wanted to kill David because it's your fault, David. You left them behind. You, We've been following you, and this great tragedy happened. It's all your fault. And David was distressed. But David did the right thing. It says that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Right choice, David. Right choice, remembering that God is the one that will provide and that he is the right one to run to. All these other things will not satisfy. And he inquires. He's, he says, Lord, do you want me to go up and get them back? And he says, yeah, get them all back. You'll get them all back. And sure enough, they do, and they get everything back. And we have an Egyptian slave who was a sellout because he was left for dead by his Amalekite master. And since they treated him with kindness and let him live, he ratted them out, and he was able to go and get everyone back, all his family, all his livestock, all his belongings. So overall, very successful trip. And David continues to show great leadership skills because some of these guys that were with him were like, well, there's these 200 guys that were too tired to go with us. They don't deserve to get anything back. They don't deserve any spoil because they're wimps. But David's like, no. The ones in the rear guard, the ones that are with the supplies, are just as important as the front lines. You, you treat them equally. And then we see Saul got what was coming. That was already prophesied by the, the dead prophet Samuel that it was going to happen to him. And this was where Saul committed suicide. This is, in fact, the first time that we see someone commit suicide in the Bible, I think. Because he told his armor bearer, cut me down. I don't want the Philistines to do some ungodly things with my body. So kill me now. And he, he didn't. He was too scared. So he's like, all right, I'll do it myself. So he fell on his sword. He thrust himself through and died. And his three oldest sons as well. And sure enough, they did exactly what he thought they would. The Philistines took him and they abused their bodies and hung them on the wall as like a trophy. It was disgusting. And But you see these brave men from Jabesh Gilead go and do the right thing and not have their bodies desecrated. So they rescued the bodies of Saul and his sons, burned them, gave them a proper burial, and definitely honored their king properly. So David heard about it. We started 2 Samuel, and we see that David heard about it from an unlikely person, from an Amalekite. Now remember what we have been reading in the earlier books of the Bible. Amalekites are the sworn enemies of God. They are not friends. They are not anyone that you make a covenant with. They are to be killed on the spot. That is in the law of Moses. David did not know at first that this was an Amalekite until the man started explaining the story that he had. He recounted a story that was different from what we read because he was lying. 
he claimed, oh, I just happened to be there at the battle, and King Saul just happened to be right next to me, and he said, hey, I'm dying, kill me now, so I killed him. I gave him an act of mercy. Here, here's his crown, Lord David. Here's his bracelet. I brought them to you. As if he's going to get some sort of uh, ticket out of there or some sort of prize for doing the right thing. And David was greatly upset to hear that not only had Saul, his enemy, been defeated, but his best friend, Jonathan, had been killed as well. When David found out that he was an Amalekite, he's like, why do you think it's okay that you can destroy the Lord's anointed? And then he killed him, not only for being an Amalekite, but also for lying. Your story doesn't make sense. You're going to die. For saying that you can kill the Lord's anointed, you are not a God-fearing person. So certainly for that, and just the fact that you're an Amalekite, you deserve to die. And so he struck him down. And then you see a beautiful lament that David gives for Saul and Jonathan. And this one is certainly so, so gracious because of how he just gives them a proper send-off. One that Saul didn't deserve, but he still gave him a proper send-off of how valiant and how powerful that Saul and Jonathan were. I mean, it says, The bow of Jonathan did not hold back. The sword of Saul did not return empty. They were beloved and pleasant in their life. They were swifter than eagles and stronger than lions. Weep over Saul, who clothed you luxuriously. I mean, that's not the same Saul we know. But David saw past the sin in his life and gave him proper recognition as his king and honored him properly in the sight of the Lord. And it was such a beautiful thing that he did. Not only that, but he certainly wanted to honor his best friend, Jonathan. Now again, people like to read into this the wrong way, where it says, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. What he's saying is not that there's anything sexual or gay about this. There's nothing gay about this this verse. What it's saying here is that the love of women, the romantic sexual love, is nothing compared to the, the union of best friends. I don't think I've ever had a best friend like this. And I don't know if I ever will. And even though my wife is my best friend, there's something I, I, I know of people who have best friends that are closer than brothers. And that is a very special relationship. And it certainly does seem to trump uh, a, a marriage relationship. David had something very special with Jonathan that a lot of people don't get. And so... It was certainly impactful to David, not only to lose Jonathan at all, but also someone so close to him that loved him so much. And he properly put this chapter of his life to rest with the death of Saul and Jonathan. And from there, he knew. 
He knew in chapter 2, he's like, Saul is now dead. Lord, is it time? Is it finally time for, for you to do what you had promised me when you anointed me all those years ago as king? Is it now time? Is this the time, Lord? Am I going to be king now? And the Lord said, yes, it's time for you to go up to Hebron. And there he went up and became king of Hebron, king of Judah. He has not united Israel yet, but he's, he's close. But you see that apparently Saul had other sons, and he had one named Ishbosheth. And we have Abner, the son of Ner. They, if you remember, this is the man that failed to guard Saul that night that David went to the camp and took his spear and the jug of water and spared Saul a second time. Same Abner. He went and made Ishbosheth king over Israel. And so there was a competition of kings here. There were rivals at this time. But you start seeing through what's going on with this little bit of a civil war over the course of chapter 2 and beginning of chapter 3, the civil war did not end well for the people of Ishbosheth. It says at the end of it all, David lost about 19 people in the battle, but Abner's group lost 360. And slowly and surely, all the power was flowing over to David because it was the Lord behind it. So Abner saw that something was was off. He realized he made a big mistake in putting Ishbosheth in power. And I think he recognized that the Lord God was at work here. So he decided to try to unite all of Israel under David. And so he intended to do so. And in the process, it's almost as if Abner had a change of heart. Now, he already has a lot going against him because he had murdered Joab's brother, you know, that one that was fleet-footed and refused to back down. He struck him down, and you can imagine Joab and his other brother, Abishai, are very upset with that, as they rightly should, and they intend to get revenge, which is not the right thing to do, though. And they end up getting revenge, but Abner seemed to have a change of heart, and David knew it, because he turned to the Lord God. The Lord has spoken to David that David will be king over all of Israel and will redeem the people from the Philistines. So let's make it happen. Let's make it the Lord's will happen. So he seemed to have repented from his ways, and David was, was good with him, and he sent him off in peace. But Joab went behind David's back and took revenge, and David was very upset about that. And he pronounced a curse against Joab and his family, which it will come full circle, but it will not come until Solomon is king, which we'll see much later. So we're starting to see the kingdom of David come together here. It's coming, and it's coming quickly.
but not only do we see the kingdom coming together, but on the negative side, we see his family increasing. Not necessarily because that's bad, but the fact is now he's up to, what, six wives? You know, that, the polygamy, I told you, this it's a continuous problem with him. And six wives is nothing compared to what, it, what he's going to have later. So, again, polygamy is not okay. But you start seeing some names of children of his that are entering the scene, with his third one being Absalom, which we'll see something of Absalom here soon in the coming days. That's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care, and God bless you.